daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, how's everybody doing? Um, this is Locked On Browns. Like I told you guys, we were not going to have a bye week here, um, bye week for the team, not for Locked On Browns. Going to continue to bring you out some great episodes this week as we get to do some different things this week as we get to vary away from our normal routine and lineup that we do on a game week. Joining this evening, host of Cleveland Browns Daily, part of ClevelandBrowns.com, Longtime Browns fan, everybody, the fabulous and wonderful Mr. Nathan Zagara. Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be with you. Finally, uh, making this happen. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's nice that you guys, you know, a guy like you can make some time for the rest of us. We do appreciate that. As we navigate through this, let's just start with this one. Obviously, uh, you know, the Thursday night game against the New York Jets, um, the culmination of maybe starting to see the fruits of a lot, a lot of bad labor, and now everything turned around. Just the excitement, the victory fridge, a primetime game, uh, the, the color rush unis, getting to see Baker Mayfield, and just this team finally, finally, after a long, long time, grasping a victory and looking good while doing it. Yeah, it was kind of a magical night. It was, you know, the end of that losing streak that we're all glad is very, very over. It was in prime time. Baker came in and led the team to victory. You had that iconic, you know, kind of pose in the end zone after they ran the Philly special and uh, the color rush. Everything about that was a magical night. Um, But I do think what we saw this past Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons is much more important in the long run in terms of it being the turning point, I think. That was the first dominant win that this team has had over a good team since 2014 when the Browns beat the Steelers 31-7 to at home uh, that year. And so I think this was a massive, massive game, kind of where you've been in its infancy with Baker Mayfield there to where you got, where he goes 17 of 20, has as many touchdowns as he does in completions, the highest rating for a quarterback, a rookie quarterback who's ever thrown, you know, 20 or more passes in a game in the history of the NFL. So it's been quite the journey, but that Thursday night I think will always be special to everybody who was there, who was a part of it. And in many ways, although it was a, a just a Thursday night game and just an early game in the season and just the first win of the season, it felt like a Super Bowl to this town because – you needed that. You needed to get that monkey off your back and to have Baker be the one who came in and did it. It just was an unbelievable night and a very special, special one for Browns fans. Yeah, and that was the key to it all is because, you know, obviously with Baker not starting and where the game was up until that point with Tyrod Taylor, it was just like, you know, I know for me it was like, oh, man, I got to stay up till 1130 here for a postgame show that I do not want to hear, you know, to that I don't want to do about this terrible victory. Boom, Baker's in, points on the board. It just went, took off running. Um, I, the next point I want to get to here, and look, I mean, there's no reason to talk about who's not here anymore. I mean, obviously we all understand, and, you know, this team sure. has now moved on. But the feel over the last two weeks, I mean, whether it's a Kansas City game, a game that you probably weren't going to win regardless, but you're able to put some points up. Then, like you said, this past week, obviously with a dominant performance, and it's just so just so refreshing to see. Um, you know, for me, it's, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, I'm like, all right, what are we going to talk about? And now this, this past Sunday it was, my God, I think I have too much to talk about. But the energy in the building now, uh, I think, you know, it seems like the kids are, you know, it doesn't matter who the coaching staff is. I think they have found their way. And just great energy from these uh, these guys over the last two weeks. Yeah, and I think what Greg Williams has come in and done is say, look, we're going to have a, a real attention to detail. We've seen the penalties go down. And then the other thing is, because he is a competition-aholic, that's what he wants this team to be. Practices have been tighter. They have been more intense. There are more competitive periods featuring the ones against the ones. Uh, and I think that that, you know, iron sharpens iron, they always say, has really led to a, a more competitive environment on Sundays. You 
play the way that you practice. And I think there's been a renewed, as I said, emphasis on the details, but also on the intensity and the competitiveness of practice. And I think that that really has shown on Sundays. And you mentioned Kansas City. Baker in the first half was 16 of 20 in that game. They, they produced three scoring drives in the second quarter alone. And so you could start to see the glimpses of it. And then I'll also give credit to Freddie Kitchens because I've talked to numerous guys on the Browns offense, skill position players, quarterback, linemen, they all say the same thing, collaborative. He comes in and wants to know what plays in the game plan you like the best, what plays you don't like so he can get them out of the game plan, what plays you want to run, and really works with the guys. And J.C. Treader told me the story, and I'll keep telling it because I think it's just so fascinating, and I've never heard anything like it in all my time in the NFL, is that Freddie Kitchens came into the offensive line room on Friday and said, okay, of all the runs that are in our game plan this week, I want the offensive line's five favorite. And so they sat down and gave those five to him. And as J.C. Treader told me, number one, you know, you're studying the film of the D-line. You have the best sense of probably how they're going to react to certain things. And number two, you know, it's amazing to have him come in and give you that kind of collaborative effort because – when you tell him a play that you think is going to work and then he calls that in the game, you really want to make it work. You have some ownership. You have some onus on that play. And I think that's really helped kind of lead to some of the success here under Freddie Kitchens. He's putting the guys, frankly, and it seems like common sense, but it all, not always is, in the best positions to succeed doing the things that they are the most comfortable with and feel that they will be the most successful at. Well, the thing with it, and, and from a coaching aspect, is is when you reach out like that and you get their input and it works – and, you know, it also helps when you go back and say, hey, guys, here's something I need from you. And you get that yep. back and forth from player to coach. And and that's why, I mean, for Freddie Kitchens, who, you know, obviously been in football for a long time, but a little bit inexperienced in tasks like that, it's amazing to see the way that works. And it's a give and take. And that is what you need as pro football players and everyone in that room from the top to the bottom, everybody believing in and working with each other. So very impressive that he did that. And it makes the guys feel better about themselves that, you know, it's more of a collective effort from everyone. Um, obviously, this rookie class, Nathan, it, it's just been a ridiculously solid group so far. But Baker, Chubb, Ward, you know, I mean, obviously Baker, you know, the face we get to see so much of him. But him, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, what are these guys like, you know, inside the building, on the practice fields, the stuff that, you know, all of us don't get to see? Yeah, Baker Mayfield is just a consummate leader, and I think we got a glimpse into that in the Yahoo article where Miles Garrett said sometimes I want to chop him in the throat because he's just so competitive, always talking trash, and such a leader. Uh, Denzel Ward is much more quiet. Uh, goes about his business, certainly has a lot of confidence in himself. And then there's the throwback. Nick Chubb, they call him old school in the building. All he wants to do is come in and work, work hard. He tries to, you know, they had to tell him to kind of, hey, take it easy a little bit in practice because he goes so hard all the time. But that's kind of, you have, Baker is really the perfect guy for the perfect position at the perfect time. And now you've got a situation where you've kind of got a more of an old school shutdown corner. Denzel Ward not flamboyant like a Deion Sanders, probably much more like a Patrick Peterson, and then there's Nick Chubb who just wants to come in and and devour you, and he's kind of like maybe he's the Terminator. Now that we got the Austin La Vista baby call from Rafa on his long <laughs> touchdown run, but that's what he is. He's all business all the time. And I think that was what you know. And some people you know don't make some of this. I do, but when you're recruiting players from big time programs, obviously in Oklahoma, a Georgia, and Ohio State, where these guys you know they go out to practice fields and there's a hundred players, and these are some of the top 100 players in all of college football you're competing against day in day out. And like you used the term before, iron sharpens iron. That's what you see with these guys. And look, and none of these guys were accustomed to losing. That's not where they came from. Nope. And so they're not used to it. And and to see this and to see every one of them contributing in the way they are, and whether it's a 
consistent, you know, week in, week out, the Pepsi Rookie of the Year Award, which should just be called the Cleveland Brown Pepsi Rookie of the at Week this Award. Point, absolutely. 100%. So it's just fun to see those players grow. And obviously, you still got other guys, Denard Avery, and other guys we haven't, you know, some other guys we haven't even gotten to see on the field yet. Guys, this is Locked On Browns, a uh, bi week episode uh, with Nathan Zagaro. Uh, ClevelandBrownsDaily.com. Guys, if you're not listening to it, put it in the rotation. Make sure it's part of it. Okay, guys. Well, thank you. Ha, ha. Uh, Nathan, as we move forward here, the biggest move of the year has been Demarius Randall. Um, as far as trades and uh, you know something they required other than the draft. <clears throat> and obviously, you know Demarius Randall is somebody who's never walked away from a conversation or a statement. Um, but what he's done for this secondary, um, probably almost as important as Denzel Ward, it's been able to put people back in player uh, positions where they're more comfortable in roles they're more comfortable with. This has just turned out to be a, an absolute fantastic trade for this organization. I've said it many times on CBD. I think you could make the case that he's the MVP of the defense and bringing Demarius Randall and giving Greg Williams that true free safety, his ability to play corner as he did with the Packers, has changed his defense. We are a different defense on the field with him there, and, when, and then we saw when he was not able to go against Kansas City. Not that anybody's going to slow down Kansas City, but you could just see the difference in the defense. He, is, he has been a great find. I very much look forward to the day that we get to announce on CBD that the the Browns have indeed signed him to an extension and a long-term contract because I think he is an invaluable part of what the Browns do on defense, and that was really the most underrated but best move of the entire offseason. Yeah, and, and especially what you gave up for him because, you know, Deshaun Kaiser's future right. was no longer here. Um, you, you know, even though you have 37 draft picks, it's nice in theory, but um, they're not always going to pan out. So if you can get a guy and you find a role that it, that you know he's comfortable with that another team wasn't using him in, it's just been tremendous. And it's, you know, basically, you know, being able to anchor the defense at the back end. You know you've got the front end. You know you've got Joe in the middle. It's just less and less holes as this goes on. And he definitely seems like a guy who's not going to, you know, be looking elsewhere. I think he's found himself a nice little home here and he understands that he is part of what is going on here with this franchise as they go forward uh this is one actually came from a listener here um in all your interactions who would you say right now is the funniest cleveland brown the funniest currently or or all right, time right now right now funniest Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I always enjoy my time with Christian Kirksey. I find him very entertaining. Uh, always have. I think uh, Richard Hollywood Higgins is an underrated comedic genius. Um, <laughs> Brianne Body Calhoun also is a very funny guy. Uh, and I love. I gotta. You know, after we've seen his his commercial, I certainly would be remiss if I didn't mention Britton Cole, who is a, a stud in his own right. I thought, I, I was wondering, I actually thought he was going to be the first thing that you brought up here. Um, he should have been. I, if I were to do it over again, I would, I would lead with Britton Cole. <laughs> um, now, as far as when this you know, season set foot, if you want to put it, you know, whether it was OTAs or when this team walked into camp, um, do you think that this young team, do they, do they realize the magnitude uh, you know, of what's going on here? And for this, I mean, to just win three out of your last eight games in Cleveland, first off, it, it's a tremendous feat because it's been a long time. Do you think these young, young guys and everybody, you think everybody is, is bought in and really believe in themselves? I mean, because I mean, you, you were a little bit nervous after the Pittsburgh week. I was nervous after the Tampa week because I fig- thought, figured that was one they left on the field. But now, and it just, everybody's growing together, right? I mean, this is, they're all positive and they, and they know what they can do for this city. 
Yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing. I think it's hard for people who weren't here on last year's team to really grasp what they went through last year. I do think they kind of got a sense of it just from the raw emotion that was let out by them winning on a Thursday night against the Jets. I think that kind of clued them in that, wow, this is this is – this is something big and probably bigger than, you know, we're used to experiencing. So I do think on that level they got it. I'm glad that a lot of guys don't have that full season, you know, under their belt and going through it. But I do think they understand that they're on the precipice of something great. And I think what's so exciting about what we saw Sunday against the Falcons is that it wasn't manufactured, it wasn't a fluke, and everything about it is sustainable. It was all of your young guys stepping up, looking like stars, and you knowing that, hey, these guys are going to get to be together and grow together and improve together for years and years and years, and that's probably the most exciting thing of all. So, you know, Baker Mayfield, I don't think he could have ever possibly gone through an 0-16 season. I just think it would be an actual, actual impossibility. But, so those guys didn't have to live through that. But I think they understood when they felt kind of the catharsis, I would say, of that win over the Jets. And now they're building on it and looking forward. And these guys don't expect to ever have a season even remotely close to that one again. Uh, I, that is one I also agree with. Um, this is one here. Uh, this would be another one from a listener. Um, obviously, you know, tons of success, whether it's Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield and the big, big name guys on the team. Is there one player who you feel maybe his play and his importance to this team has been underrated to this point? Another good question. Uh, I would say, and I know they went to the Pro Bowl last year, but I think we really got an appreciation for what Joe Schobert does for the defense in the few games that he was out in terms of just getting everybody set in the right places, his command of the defense. So maybe he is a little underappreciated for what he does. Uh, I'd always say Larry Ogunjobi is underappreciated, uh, along with my guy Jannard Avery. I think both of them have been very, very good players. But I think that you know th- those would be the, the kind of the names that I would say on the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it, Duke Johnson was the most underappreciated guy maybe in the NFL for the first you know eight weeks of the season. And it's nice that Freddie Kitchens has decided to use him uh, and use his talents, but Duke never gets enough credit for as good as he is. Yeah, and you're starting to see that now. And just that, I mean, because now you can, you know, you have wide receivers you can feature on offense. You have tight ends you can feature on offense. You have the running backs. I mean, Baker has all the tools. And the one thing you see with Baker Mayfield is, is he doesn't need elite. He just needs good enough. I mean, you know, get to your spot, run your route correctly. If you're open, catch it. You'll succeed. And that's what you're seeing here. And everybody, I mean, that's what was the nicest thing about last week is, you know, everybody seemed to kind of get a slice of the pizza, which was just beautiful the way it worked out. Uh, guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, Nathan Zagaro, kind of kind enough to join us here today. If you guys are not listening to the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson, put that into the rotation. Matt does a fantastic job. Monday night, you get, uh, you know, hosts like myself. You know, he'll usually take three or four of us from the biggest games over the weekend. Uh, Tuesdays, you get Sage Rosenfeld, former NFL quarterback with all the young offensive talent in the league. Sage is a great guy for that. Wednesdays, they do their PFF show with Mike Renner. Thursdays, you get Mike Sando from PFF. I'm sorry, from ESPN. And on Fridays, uh, Matt Williamson sits down, gives you all his picks for the weekend. So any of you for any any betting interest, go ahead and check that out. Mike, Matt Williamson, the uh, Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, Just two quick ones before we go on out here, Nathan. Um, Last six games here. uh, Look, normally this time of year with the Browns, it's all right. Let's just, you know, kind of pack it up, finish it up. 
But you look at the schedule here. Two with Cincinnati, who in themselves, and you know, obviously there's some underlining jokes you could put put to that. But two with Cincinnati, the Houston game, which looks like very good shot, and it could get you know flexed into the primetime Sunday night game. Carolina, Denver. Baltimore. There's six games here now where if you'd said, you know, after the Pittsburgh game, oh, good God, the second half of the season after the bye is going to be terrible. But you see the product the last two weeks. I mean, you know, three and three, four and two. I mean, how how real, you know, how unrealistic is realistic you know, with these last six games? I, I'd be happy with, you know, at this point, two wins. You go five, ten, and one this year. You feel pretty good about that. But three and three, four and two, why not? This team can compete with anybody. I would say the trip to Houston and obviously Carolina look like the toughest games remaining on the schedule by far. Uh, but those. The Bengals games, yes, they're beatable. The Bengals are also a team, though, that right now would be in the wild card. So it, it looks easy, and we, you know, we, we sump our chest over this one win, but the Browns have got to go out there and do it, and I think it is critical. If there's one thing that I believe is critical, it's getting a win on the road. It has been too long since we've been able to go out on the road and win. It was early in the 2015 season at Baltimore the last time we did that. So I think it's critical that you get one on the road. You get one at home. By the way, you're going to finish the season at home at worst 4-3-1, and one, meaning you have a winning record in your home stadium for the first time in a long time, and that would also be a wonderful way to close out this season. Yeah, it would certainly help with the ticket sales office. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Um, now, and this is one, you know, some people want to bring up Terrell Pryor and, and, and these things, but these are the players, and obviously with Josh and Corey, how much, and you know, and it is a little interesting because John Dorsey will take risks on guys as far as, you know, draft and things of that nature, but how important was it to move on from some of the negative influences and just say, look, it, it, we're young, we're positive with the young guys we have, and we can't do anything that's going to cloud the overall picture here or anything that's going to cloud these young guys and their development. Because the one thing I kept saying with Josh Gordon was it was all right with these 52 and 53rd chances when he was maybe your first or second best football player. But when you barely ever saw him playing football, and now it got to the point where there were a bunch of other better talents and more, obviously more regularly contributing talents. So how important was it to move on from those guys that were the distractions? I think critical, critically important. And as much as we all would like to see Josh Gordon playing in a Browns uniform, I know I certainly would. It just it wasn't in the cards, and it was time to move on. You know, I asked John Dorsey, you know, what's the biggest change in this organization from, you know, basically roughly a year ago when you joined to now? And it actually stumped him for a second, and he ended up saying it's the locker room, the makeup of the locker room, the guys that are in the locker room, and just the cohesiveness and positive energy in that locker room. And I think that has to do as much with all of the additions that he's made as it does with some of the subtractions. And I think the Browns do have a much healthier locker room than they've had at any point since I've been here. And I think John Dorsey deserves a lot of credit for making some very good decisions, but also making some very hard decisions as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, but in the same respect, though, it's not like, you know, you look at it, well, you know, this this was never my problem. I never brought this problem in here, and now it's, you know, I've got to re- I've got to protect what I did bring in here, and I think that, you know, was kind of probably the the bottom line of it all. Look, I mean, yeah, he's playing well in New England, and I hope they all get excited, because usually when you get very excited about Josh Gordon is the one time you find out that he broke your heart. But, you know, hey, yep. men's and men's, and I'm more happier with this product where it is, and that there's a future, and there's a legs to it. Um, Nathan, I want to thank you so much here for your time today. Uh, obviously a busy man. Uh, go get yourself a sandwich and a drink because, uh, what, you got about an hour till you're on, right, bud? 
Uh, yes, sir. My pleasure, and I'm glad we were able to finally uh, make this work. We've been working on this for a little while, but we'll have to do it again. And uh, I hope the Browns have just a strong finish because these fans are the best in the world, and I think it would be fun to have some more feelings like we had coming out of last Sunday's uh, dominant victory over the Falcons. Yes. Okay, guys, that's been Nathan Zagar for Locked On Browns. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We keep it a, uh, a follow-back account. It's the best way to interact with all you great fans. Guys, go ahead. Follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I do appreciate all you guys do. iTunes, rating, reviews, those always help with the you know the progress of the show. Uh, we've already started to taking recording during the daytime here. Guys, uh, you just continuously put together great numbers for me for this show, so I'm going to continue to work my butt off and do everything I can to appease you and get you guys everything you want. Until the next time, guys, as we always say, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.